Welcome to Asbury United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Will. Thanks for joining our podcast. This is where you'll be able to find all of our sermons, as well as special devotionals and interviews. We hope these messages inspire hope and bring support as you grow on your journey of faith. If you have any questions, or if you want further conversation, or if you simply like what you hear, connect with Asbury through our Facebook page or by checking our website at asburymaitland.org. Well, happy college football weekend. Yeah? Okay, I, I saw a couple of people. Okay, who, who's excited that it is college football weekend? Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Who's excited more so maybe for next week for NFL weekend? There we go. A little bit more for NFL. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, we had, yeah, I had it on all day yesterday, college football, just all the different games. Um, and my wife was thrilled about that, uh, by the way. Um, and I said, I said, don't worry, it's only like six more months. You know, it's fine. Um, so we watched a lot of college football yesterday. I like went to sleep last night, and I felt like I had the commentators like commentating on how my you know, my sleep was going. Like, oh, he's making, he's doing really good. Uh, he's turned over a couple times, so he's doing good, Fred. Um, so I, I was fully immersed in football yesterday. I even watched. Duke play a little bit. They played on Friday night. Um, I normally don't watch Duke because I have other ways I like to punish myself, but we won. So, amen. Yeah, I punished myself by watching the Dolphins play. So, so go Fins. Um, but it is, you know, football weekend. I, I think I like the idea of college football weekend more because it just kind of means that fall is coming and just that time, that season of year. And so I just get really pumped up and excited about it. Um, but sports as well. I just generally like sports. Uh, it's something that's always been a part of my life. I played various sports when I grew up. Um, I never played football. Um, just keeping it short and simple uh, and a little bit easier on my ego. I just didn't have the physical attributes uh, to play football, so it's probably for the best. I tried out for basketball. Uh, turns out the goal is very high, the uh, hoop. So. Uh, Basketball was not my sport either. So soccer was just generally what I played. Um, but even soccer, basketball, baseball, whatever sport, um, there's a couple phrases that get used in the world of sports that just seem to uh, make a lot of sense. And, and you all might know these, so help me out with these. The first one, you know, help me out, fight fire with fire. I even heard that one yesterday. Uh, here's another one, beat them at their own game. Yeah, that's right. Um, and this one's maybe a little bit more tricky. Um, do you all know this one? If you're not blank, you're not trying? Cheating. Cheating. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm not going to say any names, uh, but there might be a team that rhymes with Matrix that got that <laughs> phrase a little more popular. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a Dolphins fan. I got to say that. Um, yeah, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, and all of these basically have the same idea. Do whatever it takes to win. Uh, make sure that the other person loses. Uh, and that doesn't mean, uh, or, or it doesn't matter if you're taking cheap, cheap shots at them. Um, maybe you're kind of talking a little bit of trash. Uh, um, you know, sometimes they might go as far as say things about your mama. Um, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever it takes to get under their skin to win, do it. And the reason I bring that up is, as the title suggests, Loving Through Our Differences, I think it's obvious that we live in a world uh, as everybody seemingly, increasingly, um, is different. 
And it's not so much that we are just getting more different. I think the differences are dividing us more so. Um, no longer can we have these civil discussions with one another. Um, this takes place in all arenas of life. Uh, it takes place in church. It takes place in relationships. Um, this takes place uh, just in the political world. Wherever it is, there seems to be this mindset that I don't win unless the other person loses. I'm not going to walk away from this feeling like I was successful unless I really, really put them down. And when you think about these phrases, and they do happen, they pop up in relationships, as I mentioned, you know, what does that affect when you say if you're not cheating, you're not trying, or fight fire with fire? What does that affect? Or who does that affect? I don't even, I don't even think it affects the other person um, as much as it affects yourself. It cheapens any chance of you potentially building a relationship with this person um, in any way of going forward, of having any type of amicable relationship. But Jesus, being typical Jesus, he meets us where we are. He meets us what the world narrative is. He presents it to us. You know, he uses phrases like, you have heard it said. You know, maybe you heard it in the synagogue. Maybe you heard it in the Torah. Um, maybe you read it on Facebook or from a TikTok video. But I say this, what you have heard, what the world teaches you, I'm going to give you something new. I'm going to give you a little bit more homework to do. I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm going to nudge you. But I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'm going to help you out. And also, another thing that he does is he also says, you have heard this, but I say he brings the authority upon himself to say that I can say this stuff. I can be the mouthpiece of God because I am God. And he does that in the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be looking at Matthew 5. We're going to start with verse 43, and we'll see some instructions and some teachings he gives us when we come into contact with people that we may see as different than us, but maybe even more so people we consider to be enemies. He says this, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, to which we respond. Thanks be to God. And just one little note here, as we have this verse up on the screen, this word perfect, as I mentioned, Jesus pushes us, he nudges us, he gives us a pretty tough task, but it's not impossible. This word perfect, actually in the Greek, if we look at it, is teleos, which means complete. You know, John Wesley talked about this Christian perfection. This is a completeness. This is a wholeness. Uh, you could see, you know, in growth, mental and moral character. This is well-roundedness. So maybe we might have a lot of good attributes, characters, but we just have no patience. Well, that's not complete, is it? Or maybe we have so many things going for us. We're the most patient person in the world, but we have no empathy. We can't level with people. Well, that doesn't help either. But... 
Jesus calls that upon us, to be perfect just as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And as I mentioned, it's not easy. But as Jesus does, he gives us ways that we can see the person in a little bit of a different light that might help us. So I think first thing for us to do when we come in contact with somebody we might see that we consider to be an enemy, I think is to zoom out. Zooming out a little bit, gain a little bit more perspective of what makes this person who they are, what makes them tick, what has gone into their life to make them who they are. And realize that there might be forces that we might not see or we might not fully understand. Uh, In Ephesians, Paul, uh, he's writing to the church in Ephesus. He says this. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. When I was at uh, my time at Duke, uh, there was a class that's offered. It's called Preaching the Powers and the Principalities. That's what other translations use in this, la- in this verse. Powers and Principalities. It talks about these seats of position, these positions of power um, that change people. Maybe it's out of an obligation to fulfill their responsibilities or their duties. This could even be within a church maybe feeling like they have to answer to the people who are above them, the bishop, the DS, the pope, whoever it may be. This could be in the business world. You have these top executives, these CEOs, these shareholders who are expecting something of you. There are these things that are at play outside of what we can see if we're so close to a person. But I think a little bit of zooming out will help us to see that there's more at play than we might realize. Have you all heard this phrase before, no one is an island? We are all a product of the events that have happened to us. Everything that has happened to us in our lives, we were not created in a vacuum. Some of them we dealt with in a healthy way. We've processed it, we've moved on. Some of which we've held on to in an unhealthy way. Might be a little bit triggering for us, brings back some old hurtful memories where certain words are said or an action is used against us and it might bring us to do something that we wouldn't normally do. But for us, when we zoom out, when we see that there are external forces at play, I think that can help us to see that a lot of people got a lot going on and we can see the humanity in others. We don't demonize them. We don't see them only at face value, but we know they are complex characters and beings and people we are interacting with. An old pastor um, who was over a congregation where I was growing up, um, I remember he told a story one time about he was having difficulty with a person he wasn't getting along with. And so he went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, what do I do? Um, There's this person I don't like, and I'm just not getting along with them. He said, well, have you prayed for the person? He said, well, yeah, but they haven't changed at all. He's like, Maybe it's not so much about the other person changing, but maybe it's about your heart being softened. Maybe it's about you seeing them in a different light. There's a story um, of another pastor up in the Bronx who tells of a little girl named Shana, a nine-year-old girl. She was part of this church, uh, just someone that lived nearby and often found herself at the church and just found a community there. Well, the pastor knew that home life wasn't great for this little girl, 
and knew that there was an uncle who was often around who just didn't treat Shana very well. Um, a lot of times Shana would be coming in because something her uncle said or did that just upset her. Well, this all changed one Christmas when some of the other churches came together and they put together some money and they bought Shana something she wanted more than anything else, a bike. Apparently it was a beautiful Duke blue colored bike. <laughs> no, it was a blue bike that she loved. She took care of it, she rode it all around town, she washed it, she polished it. You didn't know Shana without knowing that she had this beautiful blue bike because she would tell you about it immediately. Well, unfortunately, this joy lasted about a month before her uncle needed drug money, took the bike, sold it, and bought drugs with it. Shana came in, obviously upset, told the pastor what had happened, and the pastor kind of consoled her, and, you know, after some tears and kind of pepping her up a little bit, sent her on her way. But a couple weeks later, they had a prayer service, and they had people coming in, lifting up prayers for themselves or those around them who needed prayer. First hand that shot up was Shana. Raised her hand, a little bit nervous. The pastor called on her and said, Shana, what can we pray for you for? And she said, I want to pray for my Uncle Joe. He needs your help. Please, Jesus, help my uncle. She knew that there were outside factors playing into her uncle. She knew that her uncle was suffering under the weight and the grip of addiction and that her uncle wouldn't normally make these decisions. She was, as Jesus said, a true child of our Father in heaven. And I think as we pray for our enemies, we begin to soften up. We do pray for them, hoping that there is change, that the grips of addiction would release from her uncle, but we can move closer towards loving them. A couple of weeks ago, um, there was a phrase that popped up on um, my social media feed. I saw some other churches kind of posting this and other church leaders. And it said this. It said, the true test of our Christian faith is not loving Jesus, but rather loving Judas. And it hurt, so I just kept scrolling. I said, I don't want to read that. I kept scrolling, kept scrolling. But then it came back, and I thought, you know, I need to read that again. The true test of our Christian faith is not loving Jesus, but rather loving Judas. Because when you think about it, loving Jesus is pretty easy, right? In, in a lot of ways, you think about it. Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who leaves the 99 to come find us, the one who knows us and loves us better than we loves our, love ourselves, even when we don't want to love ourselves, the one who went all the way to the cross for us. But Judas... The guy who turned him in for 30 pieces of silver, we have to love him too? I think it is hard to love the Judases, but I do think this phrase stops short of capturing the true meaning of Christianity. I think we can't love Judas without also loving Jesus. It's because of Jesus that we are able to love the Judases in our life. 1 John 4, 19 and 20 says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? 
If we are to love Jesus, we also have to love the Judases. And if we are to love Judas, we have to have Jesus who empowers us to do so, going after the example of Jesus, praying for those who persecuted him even when he was dying on the cross. In closing, there's a quote uh, Thomas Merton, who was a monk, uh, used uh, when talking about those um, we need to come to love. And it's a challenging quote because I think it helps us to see that this is something that we have to be all in. We can't just kind of fake it. We can't just say, oh, well, I'll kind of love them and, and see how it works out. But this is something that we have to fully submit ourselves over to, just as Jesus did. If we wait for some people to become agreeable or attractive before we begin to love them, we will never begin. If we are content to give them a cold and personal charity that is merely a matter of obligation, we will not trouble to understand, understand them or to sympathize with them at all. It does take effort. It is difficult. We do have the Judases in our life, the ones we see as the enemies who make our lives difficult, who make those lives of them around difficult. But as Jesus calls us to do, we are to love our enemies. We are to pray for our enemies. That is how we will become true children of our Heavenly Father. So, maybe instead of fighting fire, we fight fire with water. We put the fire out that burns inside of them and maybe burns inside of us as well. So there is no more fires. And lastly, what about instead of beating them at their own game, we teach them a new game that doesn't have any losers, where someone doesn't have to be put down, where someone doesn't have to feel defeated, where there doesn't have to be an enemy, but rather we are all children of God living in God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks that we are different, that we are unique that we're not all the same, that we can see each other in different lights and perspectives, and that makes us who we are. But God, that is also difficult because that brings up the difficulties and the differences between us. But we know through your example, through your spirit, that we can love them, we can pray for them, we can see them in a new light and see what is making them who they are. It's not easy but God, you will guide us, and we give you so much thanks for that. For we pray all these things in your holy and mighty name. Amen.